This is Ditch Diggers, Season 8, Episode 3. Matt is back and Murr is totally prepared. And ain't no wannabes here With some not so nice advice For your writing career To be clear No punches will be pulled But the punch may be spiked How they like before they get on the mic To my left we got the mighty Mer Lafferty And if I piss her off Believe me she'll come after me And her co-host Matt Evan Wallace On the right Yes she may be half as hype But she can take him in a fight So settle in folks Buckle in and boot up Time to meddle in a way To make your writer shut up It's hard work But the perk is that It's fun and exciting Facebook will still be there When you're done writing Ditch diggers Coming to you live from Matt and Murr's Manor, and it's the room that has the uh, conveyor belt with all the candy in it that we must pack. It is Matt and Murr as the Ditch Diggers. We're back. How are you, Matt? I'm good. I'm, so are we like Oompa Loompas? Is that no, the illusion? No, we're Lucy, Lucille Ball. Oh, we're Lucille Ball. Okay, sorry. That's, uh, oh, gotcha. man. That's much folksier. So yeah, we're supposed to be the ditch diggers. And, we are. Uh, we're get, we're getting to it. We're getting to it gradually here. We're getting to it. We were going to talk about stuff and what we're working on. Matt, what are you working on? I have many things, or many things. Inner peace, most of all. Mm-hmm. But nobody's subsidizing that. That's the problem. So I have to do all this other crap around working towards inner peace. Right. And I think that in is the problem with capitalism, but we'll come back to that. Um, no, many things. So I have to leave early because of my real, my regular, not my real job. My job is writing overall, and then many things fall within that umbrella. I still, I still cling to that weird mentality of like, well, if you do a thing from a set schedule, that's your real job, and anything on top of that is not somehow your real job. It's ridiculous. But anyway, my like, the thing I do every day has <laughs> a certain schedule which is right, video games is consuming much of my life right now. In addition to that, I've got one middle grade novel I'm trying to finish the first draft of, and then the final Savage Rebellion novel, which I am currently in edits on at the same time. So, a lot of balls in the air for old uh, old Matt. Yeah, seems that way. <clears throat> um. What about you, Mer? Besides inner peace. It's hard to Be say. Fair. I'm, uh, I feel like I'm behind <laughs> on my book, but I worked a lot this morning on being, I'm working on an outline to get it all set. Um, so I, uh, I don't know. I really don't know how I'm doing. <laughs> okay, you know, I mean, you know, in some cases you don't know how you're doing, but you know what you're working on, Well, yeah, right? I'm working on book two of the Midsolar Murders. <clears throat> Well, there you go. I thought that's what we were, you know, I'm sorry I threw you off with the inner peace thing, but I thought that's what we were focused on. I mean, Mer, none of us know how we're doing. I would never ask anyone that at this point. I just think it's a rude question at this, just with the state of the world. So Fair enough. It's better to just focus on what we're doing than how we are, because that's just a horror show, and we just take that as red at this point. Yeah. True. But yeah. But again, I brought up the inner peace thing, so I opened the door, so it's really my fault. So, um, yeah, you want to talk about Sanderson's thing, which is almost, is it done yet? 
Is it done yet? I mean, I, the last I looked, it was like at forty million. Like, I have it on my. It's like forty-one. My, I thought my phone here. Yeah, forty-one million seven hundred fifty-four thousand one hundred fifty-three dollars with one hundred and eighty-five thousand three hundred forty-one backers. How and many I backers? Uh, one hundred eighty-five thousand three hundred forty-one. Damn. If I'm re- if I'm reading this correctly, yeah, and I believe that's... it. Is, yeah, I believe it is. Wow. So can, um, yeah, you I can pre-order the... it on Backerkit. I don't know what that means. Does that mean it's over? I'm having trouble. What you just say big bold letters. This is over. But anyway, it'll usually, so... say, it'll usually say this. This has been funded. Oh right, yeah. I don't know. My phone is small, and I have astigmatism, so I miss things sometimes. Yeah. Point being, it doesn't. The thing is, either way, it doesn't matter. Um, so that's that's been going on. It was weird because like it was big news. I feel like the first week, and then you know it, it exploded so fast and rapidly, everybody kind of stopped talking about it after that. You know? Yeah. Because what else was there to say? Other than, oh my god, it's getting even bigger than it was when we were all freaking out about it originally. Um, yeah. But the thing that has struck. So here's here's. I, I don't want to like go into the whole because much smarter people have done. Entire threads about the Kickstarter itself than me. It's just an interesting time for this to be going on for me. What 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 throws it in relief is as this is going on, I feel like I'm noticing more so than usual, like all these uh, fiction magazines and all these writing markets announcing that they're closing down simultaneously. Like yeah. that's what that's what I've noticed more than anything in juxtaposition to this juggernaut Kickstarter for genre fiction novels. Um, Fireside Fiction announced that they're they're shuttering. Uh, Bitch Media was a big one. Just I just a few days ago or last week. I I, I have no concept of time anymore. But that yeah. was I was very sorry to hear about that. As many folks were. Um, God, there was another. There was another. There was another really good fiction scene that shut down a couple of weeks. Ago. Announced they were shutting down a couple of weeks ago. And then God, blanking on the name. This is why you should take notes, Mer. It's not mermaids. Mermaids are necessarily shutting down, but I think that was all part of the plan. Anyway, there were at least there were at least three or four within the last month yeah. since Sanderson's Kickstarter blew up that I've I've seen announcements for, and really like good quality markets, hardworking people that put really good stuff into the world, and it's really sad, man. Like you're really kind of with each announcement, it took a little a larger chunk kind of out of my out of my heart there. It was really, it's really sad to see that stuff. And it's also just sad about what it represents as a whole, both for, you know, the market and an industry perspective, and also just a creative cultural perspective, you know? True. I, I think you're right. And um, as Premi says, it's been a little sad or weird to see small uh, uh, BIPOC run venues try to raise $2,000 in 30 days yeah. on Kickstarter and failing. Um, Premie, if there are any links you have to, to share those, I can, uh, actually, you should be able to, um, put links in the chat. So, uh, if you know of any, please, uh, put them in the chat and we'll try to remember to put them in the, um, put them in the, the show notes. But I, I will say that Fireside was already kind of on shaky legs after their, uh, black voice type debacle 
Um, uh, yeah, no, that, so. they had no, they had some major uh, stumbles, and they had a lot of staffing changes, and they, yeah, they had they they stepped in it a bunch of different times, but since that, they had really worked to restaff and reorganize and like not do dumb shit like that again. Yeah. And you know, uh, so that's necessarily true. Like every market has its own problems. I'm really talking more about like the overall kind of symptomatic thing in one particular market, right? You know? Um, real quick, uh, Cypher of Tears says, I must have missed something what happened with Fireside. A um, couple of years ago, I think, uh, they were doing a black-focused uh, issue, and Maurice Broadus was the um, was the editor, and they, they, they'd gotten a lot of good content, and then whoever was doing the um, audio side got a white woman to narrate a black woman's essay, nonfiction essay. And it was not well taken <coughs> at all. And I felt yeah. so bad for Maurice. Yeah. Um so yeah, I think they 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 lost a lot of uh I, I think they did change some uh some editorship after that. Yeah, they did. Ma- they did major restructuring after that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Brian. I think Brian White came back on. Yeah. And it was uh, the. So like I said, it was. And I mean, it's. I, I'm not saying it's not worth looking at how each thing is run, but you know, like again, like going back to what previous said, it's just it's this thing of you got this juggernaut over here, and you know, the Sanderson thing is its own thing. It's the exception, not the rule. And that's as much as I, I really want to go into that. But but then, this, again, you've got people who can't raise a couple of grand to showcase really brilliant authors and really exciting fiction. And that's that's really the disparity that gets me and kind of the, and introduces that question of, like, why, you know? Well, like, um, yeah, it's, it is, it is a, a big shame, um, you know, it has to do with with voice. It's it's he's got he's built a loud voice. People talk about it like he is well, you or me or any beginning author going to Kickstarter and saying, "Hey, support me," and uh, it doesn't work that way. If you've got a no, huge megaphone and you take it to a new room and nobody around you has a megaphone, you start using your megaphone. Everyone's going to be like, "Oh, wow." Look at that author. They're very loud. Authors must be loud now. And it's, uh, yeah, it's not, <laughs> it, it doesn't, it doesn't change much for us. I know no. he tried to, not tried, he did back a lot of uh, literary projects, unless they were porn or clearly jokes, I think. He backed every single literary project that was on Kickstarter, which, you know, looked good. It was, it was a good move. And, um, you know, anybody who doesn't understand Kickstarter, that $41 million is not going into his pocket. That's That's got to cover a lot of work in the next year. Yeah, that's basically... But, I mean, another, another thing, yeah, Sanderson already basically has his own infrastructure set up to do that kind of shit. I mean, he's going to probably have to scale wildly yeah. to meet this sort of demand. But, like, yeah, yeah this is basically starting a, a publishing company this point pretty much so yeah it's it's not all you know peach cream and uh sitting on a sitting on a beach sipping so, my ties it's real work so 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 if everything's terrible um what what can we do 
I don't know, man. I like on the ground. Obviously, it's like you gotta you gotta spend the dollars to support these markets, you know. Yeah. And uh, and I think you can you can bring up a bunch of different stuff with that, which is just a lot of a lot of people who are aware of the stuff and reading it don't have a lot of money right now because who the hell does? Because yeah. the world. Um, another thing you think you got to talk about is people get way too accustomed to not paying for the the media and the content they consume and i think that that feeds into it you know it's almost i think audiences actually find it a lot of audiences online they actually find it offensive when you ask them to pay for something and it's somehow less offensive when it's phrased in the form of like donation Mm -hmm. or like a kickstarter or a crowdfund you know yeah nobody wants to buy a product anymore they either want to like be part of a movement or feel like they're doing something altruistic but it's somehow like if i'm if i'm part of a cause and i'm raising money to make something or i'm donating to help this thing stay alive then like somehow i'm not like part of the capitalist machine but if i buy a product then i'm just a consumer like every other asshole i really think there's a there's a mentality there that feeds into that and i you know i have no data or statistics but that's just kind of a sense i get yeah, uh, being in the being in the thick of the, this myself for a long time, just something I see, and I don't want to get into a cranky old man place of like, oh, you know, these kids today, they don't. But there really is a problem with people not just being trained at this point because everything's so accessible and everything is so pirated and it's so easy. They they are trained to just not pay for the media they consume. You know? Yeah, and there was uh, there, there's been a lot of pointing at um, the fact that Sanderson is a rich white dude, and there was yeah, a, absolutely. There was a YA author who tried to do the same thing, only she phrased it like, I need money to live on while I write this book. Yeah, I remember And that. she got so much shit. She, I, was, I think she yeah. had to take her Kickstarter down. She probably had to step off of the internet for a little while. I don't know if she got doxxed or something, but the, the, the gall of asking for what she was worth was yeah. just awful and i was uh, i was appalled by it and, and you know i saw i remember i remember that vividly because there were other authors who were who were given her shit and that just like offended me that's yeah the ya world is weird it's a little scary um yeah i mean i know that like why twitter gets scapegoated a lot too so like i don't want to i don't want to get into that because i don't know enough about it but yeah in that case it was there was a lot of vitriol coming from from people that you would expect to sympathize with an author going, hey, I want to write this thing. Yeah. I need money. I need money to live while I'm doing it. If you guys would like to read the thing, can I have the money to live so I can write it? And I other authors going, yeah. how dare you? Like, yeah, how dare you? Just get a day job like the rest of us who are trying yeah. to write during a day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, write, write under the covers at night by pen light, you know, until three in the morning if you really want to get this done. It's just, it's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, no, I mean... Yeah, good. Going to chat real quick. Uh, Cypher of Tears says everyone says pay artists their worth until people ask for their worth. Um, definitely, yeah. Uh, yeah, indie pub works as like being part of something instead of buying. The kids are asleep. Said that. Um, and Urban Bohemian says the pervasive idea that creators of all kinds shouldn't be able to make a living while they make their art. Yeah, the the whole. Uh, suffer to for your art thing is um i fight against that a lot you have to because it's alive and well and what kills me about that whole attitude is people who have it and try to apply it to authors and even argue with authors about 
the culture how they should be. They don't realize that that's something that's been fed to them or perpetuated by the people who don't want to pay us money yeah. for the things they sell the general public. Like, yeah. you know, this idea of this, like, you you want us to be these, like, bohemian free spirits who are somehow above money and, just want, and are just happy to live our dream and create art doesn't really jive with the fact that you're still being sold art by billionaires every which way you yeah. look. They just aren't paying the people who actually make it, and you're helping them do that. By perpetuating that horseshit idea that you've been sold, so yeah. you're really just you're really just participating in marketing at that point. You've really you've, you've bought all these industries marketing campaigns to keep writers at the bottom of the uh, the food chain. So the irony of that amuses me. Is amuse the right word? Maybe not. No, no. <laughs> yeah, Premi says I've been told suffering builds character. See, the thing is, Premi, it does, but you don't. You can build character without suffering, too. Yeah. You know, Amanda Palmer's <laughs> like, oh, Trump's, everyone's freaking out when the last president weaseled through. And she's like, look, think about the art that's going to be created in the next four years. I'm going to Australia. Bye. <laughs> and I'm like, you're right, but you're so wrong. That's just not, you don't want to tell people that. You know, the fact that, that someone's stabbing you in the eye is awesome, because think about that painting without a lot of depth perception, but still, think about that painting you're going to do afterwards. It's not, you can't... Yeah, it's an absurd... Yeah. You know, not here's the thing, like, building character is very vague, because not all character is good. There is such a thing as building bad character. Yeah. And a lot of negativity can come from needless suffering, too. In fact, mostly it's needless suffering. Yeah, that whole attitude, man, is just, it's wild to me. Um, I don't know. I think there's also, and I actually, it's sad, I, we're, I feel like we barely got into this. I'm already, I'm already gonna, have, I'm already watching the clock and I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to break out here a little yeah. bit. But the other thing that really struck me about this whole thing, looking at, like, the Sanderson thing and looking at all these markets closing and just the general state of everything that isn't that, you know, that massive quarter of the industry. Um, it's just like how disconnected I think a lot of us are from the reality of the market, you know? Because, like, me personally, my social media, my kind of online communities, like the stuff that I watch, the news that I follow, even publishing-wise, like, I never hear about Brandon Sanderson's books. Like, the people I follow, the authors, and even the authors and the publishing professionals... And the readers, you know, they're not, that's not the stuff they're reading. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, the two biggest, I think the two biggest, at least for Tor, McMillan, or whoever publishes them, the two biggest ones last year were like Brandon Sanderson and, um, what's his name? The, the Aragon guy, Paolini. Paolini. Oh, did he come up with something, something new? Yeah, like he, he did something. But anyway, there was, it was, it was last year or the year before, but I don't know. But they were, but, but they were like the two biggest, they had the two biggest books of the year for that publisher by far. Like, made them record profits. I never heard a word about either of them in any of my feeds. I don't even know that the Aragon guy was, was writing again. I thought that once <laughs> he stopped being the hot 17-year-old author, he... Yeah. No, that's what, it, but that's what I'm talking about. Like, that's incredibly not the case. And they're, they're out there moving just tens of millions of copies of books. And a lot of us... Even people who are, again, like, we're industry professionals, we're doing this, it relates to us. I, I like, I, I personally am just, I find myself very disconnected from that. I've talked to a lot of other people who feel the same way. It's like, 
I know these books are selling huge, but I never hear about them from my friends or my colleagues or my readers. And it creates this it creates this false perception of where the market in the industry is actually at for a lot of people, I think. Yeah. You know, and if you don't have a sense of what's actually happening, what's still happening, then you don't know, you know, what you what needs to change about things or like you don't you don't know how the reality is actually affecting you. I don't know. It's just that was just interesting to me. It's just interesting to me that you know, you, we think of genre fiction in particular, like science fiction fantasies and horror and, you know, all that, as this very insular niche thing. We treat it like that a lot. And, you know, when a lot of our books are not selling, we perceive that those, those people just aren't buying those genres as much as they buy other genres. Right. But the reality is there are these books, and, you know, again, they, they are the exception, not the rule, but there are these books that are doing huge numbers and connecting with readers out there. And, you know, if you're not aware of them, then you can't, then you can't get into the questions like, okay, well, why those books? And why are the resources being put behind those books? And where are the resources for other books that are not those books? You know? Yeah. Like, if you don't know, like, you got, you have to have that information to ask the right questions. And I think a lot of times, a lot of us get, get disconnected from those realities. Yeah. And that was just a huge reminder to me with, the, with like, the Sanderson thing. And when I look at all these markets that are struggling, that's what I think of. I think of, like... We don't we don't understand all this stuff or really acknowledge it that much, but we need to so we can ask like where are how is that happening, and what do we need to do to change the industry and the and the structure and the system the systematic aspects that like help everybody else who is not these two guys, you know? Because it's not just that they write the best books like that's just not the reality no. of the market, no. right? Like they do something that connects with a lot of people, and I'm not going to take that away from any author, but the idea that like you know, there are five white dudes who just write better books than anyone else by a margin of tens of millions of copies sold is ludicrous. It really is. Yes. So I've I've tried some <clears throat> of these books and some of them I'm just like, it's a fantasy book. What's Yeah, what, I don't get where it. Where are the millions I, of dollars worth of content here and um, that's the thing, it's like I was in uh you know, I was in a slack with my agents, other clients, and we were all talking about that. And you end up trying to nail down like what's so good about San and the thing is I really, I keep keep bringing up Brandon Sanderson, the Kickstarter. It's not, it's really not about Sanderson. It's just like what Sanderson represents, and I want to make that very clear. It's not me knocking Sanderson because I don't know the dude and I don't know his stuff that well. But like, we're trying to, you never really try to nail down. Okay, well, what does this author do that is so much better than like all the other authors? And everybody's rattling off the things they think he does well, and like that's all well and good, but it just gets to a point where it's like, well, if I do all of those things, I'm not going to sell 40 million copies of my book. Like, yeah. it's not a formula. It's like, you think there's a, you think you can come up with a writing formula, and you can't, because there's nothing to do with anything. But that's just, it's where you end up going, because you're trying to, it's such a huge disparity that you're, like, you're trying to find the magic code, when really it comes, I think, personally, it comes down to allocation of publisher resources at the end of the day more than anything else. Like, that's that's where I get to. So. Yeah. I'm, I'm very, very sorry. I know this has felt very brief to everybody, but I have to run because of the realities of being a ditch digger. So it is thematically consistent with the show. I have to go because I'm being called upon to do to do my writing, one All of right. my many writing jobs. All right. But we will talk more about this uh, when next we stream. Yes, you and I will stream together again on the first Monday in May. Yes, and we'll talk more about this and many other exciting things, so don't miss that. And enjoy Murr's fabulous guest host. In the meantime, because she's her lineup of guest hosts is just stellar. Yes. Um, 
That is true. So if you want to find out more about either of us, we'll be at uh, Murverse.com. Just check out this website, this this that site, and you'll find this episode, and you can find the other stuff. So thank you, everybody, for being in the chat. <clears throat> thank you, Cypher of Tear, for the resub. Really appreciate that. And um, we'll see. I'll see you next week with another episode of Ditch Diggers. It'll be 4.30 p.m. on Monday because Cameron Hurley is guest hosting. So Fantastic. You can't do better than her. They may come up. Not really. Except for, you know, our other guest hosts and you, because I'm not putting anybody down, man. Okay, you can't do better. You can do as good as Hurley if you're me or the other guest hosts. So we'll just, we'll say that. Okay. Everybody's, everybody's equally awesome. There we go. Thank you, everybody. All right. Thanks, folks. Thank you, Mer. You can support us at patreon.com slash mightymer. Ditch diggers! Theme song by Devo Spice, devospice.com.